Previously on Saga of the Jewels. 17-year-old Rin's hometown is attacked by General Vor of the Empire, and everyone he has ever known is killed. Just before Rin's father dies, he gives Rin a ruby which causes him to project fire. Rin is captured by the Empire and meets another captive, Princess Nuthia, who has the ability to project lightning. Nuthia explains to him that the Empire have learned of the existence of 12 primeval jewels which grant the ability to manipulate different elements and are searching for them. The Imperial vessel where they are being held is in turn attacked by a pirate airship and the pirates capture Rin and Nuthia. The lead pirate, Captain Sagar, agrees to escort Nuthia back to her homeland and to spare Rin's life in exchange for the promise of gold, gemstones and beautiful women upon her safe delivery. They land in the port city of Ast and recruit an engineer called Elran. Ast is then attacked by the Empire, who are using the Fire Ruby to invade the continent and search for more of the jewels. Rin, Nuthia, Sagar and Elran flee the city together, but are then attacked by a bounty hunter, Vish. They manage to subdue the bounty hunter, but Nuthia is gravely wounded in the process. Rin beats Sagar to the hunter's mount and rushes Nuthia to the nearest town, where he finds a healer, Sid, a mysterious old man who saves the princess's life with his arts and asks to join the travelling party, saying that he believes it is the purpose of the One, the god that he and Nuthia each worship. On leaving the town, the, t the party is pursued by an enormous monster driven by a troop of imperial soldiers. The party manage to escape with the help of Vish, who fights on their side in exchange for Sid supplying his poppy seed habit. Sid reveals that he was once a member of another adventuring party who set out to find the twelve primeval jewels, but failed. The party press on to the capital city of Syrah, where they ambush some imperial soldiers and steal their uniforms in order to sneak onto a sleeper train bound for Nuthia's homeland. They make it aboard successfully, but then Rin gives them away when he comes face to face with General Vor on the train and is unable to prevent himself from attacking him. The party are thus forced to escape from the train by leaping into a river it is passing, but their encounter with Vor has revealed two things, that the fire ruby touched Imperials are invulnerable to Nuthia's lightning attacks, and that Nuthia was the person who once accidentally gave Vor the location of the fire ruby, thus leading to the destruction of Rin's hometown and the death of his parents. After a brief rest stop, the party press on towards Minolia in order for Nuthia to warn her people of the Morokamian Empire's new knowledge of the jewels. However, when Nuthia speaks with her mother, the Queen, and reveals that she knows of the whereabouts of other jewels, the Queen is assassinated and Vor appears from behind her throne. Season 1 Finale Part 1 Episode 19 Vor the general's gleeful laughter filled the hall. Vor stepped around from behind the queen's throne, big and black-armoured and red-haired, unable to contain his mirth. Rin's blood ran cold. Mother! Nuthia cried at the top of her voice and shoved past the two Minolian guards, shooting up the steps of the dais to kneel next to the fallen queen. Sid, heal her! Not so easily done, Vor laughed. You are quite surrounded! On the balcony level that ringed the hall above them, soldier after black-armoured soldier stood side by side, each with a crossbow levelled at the party. They must have been hiding behind the guardrail when the party had entered the hall. Rin looked back at the dais. A deep red puddle seeped out from underneath the queen where she lay on her front. Nuthia knelt with her hands thrown over her mother's head, her face buried somewhere in the queen's shoulder as she sobbed uncontrollably. In between sobs she whimpered, Mother, I'm so sorry. I'm so, so sorry. Please, Sid, 
Please heal her! Somebody heal her! Wynn stood watching all this like a statue, numbing cold spreading in his belly. Vor calmed down from his outburst of laughter and spoke over Nuthia's whimpers. Nobody's going to be healing her unless they want a crossbow bolt through their neck too. Pitiful girl. Do you realise that you gave us the key to taking Manolia to your own downfall? Once we discovered, thanks to our little brush with you on the train, that as Ruby touched, we had some immunity to, a, to the lightning crystal, everything was easy. We didn't even need to carry out an invasion. All I had to do was request a single diplomatic meeting, show your queen our immunity, and then I could force her to do whatever I wanted, without any fear of your little lightning tricks. Telling her that I knew where you were, and would kill you on sight when you arrived here if she didn't comply with my commands, made her submit quickly enough. Most of her guards have been following her orders for the last few days without, without even knowing that we were still here. In fact, the vast majority of your queendom doesn't even know it's been occupied by the Empire. After I'd got in here, all I had to do was wait for you to show up with your pitiful little ragtag band of vagrants. Underestimated me, someone else was whispering nearby. Rin became aware. Sagar, I can take them. I can create a wind gust that deflects their arrows. Don't, Sid hissed back. You've seen how many of them there are up there. You saw how fast that arrow flew. You can't take all of them, Sagar. Stand down. We're better off letting ourselves be captured. He is not going to capture us, whispered Vish in turn. Once he has gloated over us and explained how we beat us, he is going to kill us anyway. I have seen him do it a hundred times before. This could be the only chance we... Vor paused mid-speech and frowned at them. Silence! he shouted, his voice cracking for a moment on the second word and going incredible, incredibly high, second syllable, and going incredibly high, spittle flying from his mouth. Listen to me when I'm telling you how I defeated you. Nuthia suddenly cried out in a high-pitched wail, but not at Vor. She was still kneeling over her mother, her face soaked with tears. She stopped breathing! You killed her! You monster, you killed her! Rin stared at the lifeless body of Nuthia's mother sprawled humiliatingly face down on the dais, her long dark hair a mess around her head, her blood starting to drip slowly down the steps. Vor had killed her, just like he had killed Rin's own mother, father, hometown. Found Vor. Get Vor. Kill Vor. Avenge Nuthia. Vor! Rin felt himself light on fire as he ran up the steps towards the general and drew his sword, the cold in his belly suddenly replaced by heat. Somewhere behind him he was vaguely aware of a rush of air and the sound of arrows pinging off the stone floor, but only vaguely. He ran past Nuthia and her mother and swung his blade with all his might at Vor's head, holding and moving it as Sid had taught him to. This time Vor caught the hilt in one hand and the blade in his other, snapping his gauntleted fingers onto it and holding it in place. Rin's fire went out from the shock. Vor twisted his arms and snapped Rin's sword in two as it came out of his hands. The general flung the useless pieces of the broken weapon away, sending them to clatter on the ground. Before Rin could recover from his surprise, Vor reached out and grabbed him by the neck, lifting him off his feet. A tight band of pain constricted around Rin ne Rin's neck at once. He gasped for air but found none. Rin clutched at Vor's fingers and looked in horror into the man's bulging, sadistic, red-veined eyes. The general was crushing his windpipe. All that came into his head were words of despair. All that preparation, all that training in swords with Sid, and I still couldn't beat him. I didn't even have a chance. I just did exactly the same thing again. I just lost control and threw myself at him. Now this is it. I'm going to die. I failed. 
I'm a failure. Miserable whelp, Vor was saying to him. Don't you ever learn? For the hundredth time, I am touched by the ruby and so invulnerable to fire like you, you utter idiot. You didn't change your plan of attack once. I guess you just couldn't resist me. Boltergar! Rin felt a surge of shock pass through him, but then it passed, leaving only the ever-growing pain around his neck. It was growing harder to think with every moment that he was unable to take a breath, but he realised that Nuthia had hit Vor with a lightning attack. Vor's gaze shifted down into the side beyond Rin. Stop that, girl. Haven't you learned your lesson either? I have resistance to lightning too. You just stay there and wait your turn. I knew that you knew more about the jewels that I got out than I got out of you in Imphis. I'll happily torture you to get the rest of that information if you just wait a moment. Let me deal with this mongrel first. The pain around, Rin, around Rin's neck was tight as death. He's going to kill me and kill Nuthia too. Darkness prickled at the corners of Rin's vision. He was passing out. He was going to die. He was going to die bitter, unavenged and unfulfilled, full of hate and anger and misery. As his vision faded, Rin's eyes drooped. The last thing he saw before they closed was a pair of short silver chains that hung around Vor's neck, over his armour. One chain had a ruby set ring on it. The other chain had a crystal pendant on it. Behind his closed eyes were the last thoughts of his life, Rin found himself remembering something Nuthia had said to him once, on the train to Manolia. The way of the one is to forgive, her words echoed in his mind. Fine, Nuthia, I'll try it your way. I'm about to die anyway, I've got nothing left to lose anymore. I forgive you for revealing the location of the fire ruby to Vor. I... I forgive Vor for killing my parents and burning down my hometown. And I forgive... I forgive myself for failing to save them. And then fire exploded all around him. The grip on his neck loosened slightly and some breath came back into Rin. He opened his eyes and looked up. Bright white and orange heat enveloped him, a glowing ball of incandescent flame that grew from his heart and enshrouded all of him, all of Vor. Unhindered by unforgiveness, Rin's fire burned brighter than it ever had before. Through the fire, he saw fear in Vor's irises. It was clear what he must do. The jewels. Rin reached out his hand to touch the small translucent round jewel which hung from one of the silver-chained pendants around Vor's neck. It was still too far away. He concentrated, willing the fire radiating out of him to burn brighter, hotter, and focused it in one particular place. The chain turned red, then orange, then white, then melted. Rin caught the lightning crystal as it fell. As he closed his hand around it, a strange tingling sensation rippled down his arm and through the rest of his body for an instant. The fire around him disappeared. If you touch a jewel, you gain affinity with that element. Before Vor could react, Rin had just enough time to lift the crystal up a few inches from where it hung around Vor's neck. He touched it lightly to Vor's face, which had contorted into a puzzled frown, and let go. At the same time, with his other hand, he reached out and touched the fire ruby where it hung from Vor's neck, felt a familiar rush of warmth flow down from his hand, and flared. His whole body lit on fire again, and fire leapt from his hands and blasted forwards into the general, hitting him directly in the chest where he lay, and spreading out over the rest of him. 
Ah! screamed Vor as Rin's fire flashed over his body, no longer invulnerable to it because of his new lightning alignment. Rin landed on his backside on the dais with a thump as the general dropped him. He gasped for air, and at last he found it, taking it in in a huge, hungry gulp. His neck still hurt like hell as he rubbed it, but at least he could breathe again. Vor hadn't completely crushed his windpipe. He got to his feet. He was dimly aware of the sounds of battle still going on all around him, but only dimly. He remained focused on Vor. He took the few steps to where Vor lay and, looked, and stood over the general. Steam coiled up from the general, where he lay on his back. The man's eyes were shut in his round face. His skin was charred, red, even black in places, from where Rin, Rin had burned him. He lay still, and Rin couldn't see his chest rising and falling. I did it. He had finally killed General Vor, and in the end, he hadn't even meant to. He reached down and grasped the fire ruby on its ring, then tore it from its chain. Links of metal scattered around the dais. The other sounds in the room came back to him. Rin, help us, cried Nuthia. Rin's head snapped round to see what was happening in the rest of the hall. Streaks of orange filled the air, deflected away from Rin's friends and the two Manolian guards as Sagar stood at the centre of them and flung his hands around like a madman, drawing gusts of, huge gusts of air across the hall that buffeted Rin's face and made his eyes water. The soldiers had given up on shooting arrows and chosen to throw down fire at the party instead. Vor must have touched them with the, them with, with Ruby too. Sagar was doing a good do job of turning the fireballs away, but sweat was streaking down the back of his head and he was having to move his hands incredibly fast. He wouldn't be able to keep this up forever. Rin didn't even have time to properly acknowledge his own feelings at his victory over Vor. A battle had begun, and he was needed. Found Vor. Got Vor. Killed Vor. Avenged Nuthia. Now what? Stay with Nuthia. Protect Nuthia. Nuthia, who was about to be blasted by fire from the hands of an Imperial soldier who had somehow made it down to ground level, out of Sagar's line of sight, about twenty paces away from her to the side of the hall. Rin sprang from the dais, clearing its steps in one leap, and pelted for Nuthia, getting in the way of her just in time for the soldier's fireball to hit him instead of her, right in his chest. Rin felt the flames ripple over him and spread out to the sides of his body, to the sides as his body took their full force. He remained standing, unscathed. The soldier's mouth dropped open in horror. Energy rose up from Rin's stomach, and the top of his head tingled. He ran at the soldier. The soldier thrust out both his hands on reflex and yelled in desperation, pouring a jet of flame at Rin. Rin took the flame jet head-on, which did nothing to him, and kept on running, right through it to the soldier. By the time Rin reached him, the terrified man had finally thought to stop trying to fight fire with fire and was reaching for his sword, but Rin got to it first. Still clasping the fire ruby in his left hand, he spared some fingers from it to grab the soldier's arm, then reached and grabbed the soldier's sword hilt with his other hand. He drew the sword in a swift, clean motion, then stabbed it into the soldier's neck before the man even had a chance to react, pushing into the soft resistance of his flesh, which gave way at once. Rin slid the blade out of the neck of the man, who fell back, back, to, the f who fell back to the floor. He looked at it for a moment, decorated red. The second time he had killed. Vor, and now this man. Sickness turned over his stomach. He didn't like it, but it had been necessary. This was life or death. He needed to protect his friends. He needed to protect Nuthia. He looked back at the battle. Sagar still drew the air around the room in a frenzy, pushing oncoming fireballs away. 
Sid had his eyes shut and was chanting something with a hand outstretched towards Sagar. Elran, Nuthia and Vish were launching gunshots, lightning bolts, throwing stars up at the soldiers above when they could. The Minolian guards stood among them, trying to hide behind Sagar. They must not, ha- they must not have lightning projection like Nuthia did. Rin had an idea. He charged back into the fray, unafraid, impervious as he was to fire. Here, take this, he yelled to the first of the guards he came to, Kathuna, and threw the fire ruby to her. She caught it deftly with her spear hand. What's this? Kathuna called over the noise of the battle. It's a primeval jewel. It will make you safe from fire and able to project it yourself. Go, get out of here. Touch all the other guards in the palace with it and bring them back here to fight. I'll cover you. Kathuna didn't need telling twice. She nodded at Rin, then turned and began to run in the direction of the hall's entry doors. At the same time, Rin sprinted back to join the party, yelling, Watch out, Sagar! Take a break! The pirate snapped his head round to look at him, mid-wind projection. What? he yelled. Rin didn't bother explaining further, but just stretched out his open palms towards the balcony. Fire! was the sound that he found himself shouting. A few feet in front of Rin, in the air, a huge sheet of fire appeared and leapt upwards at the soldiers on the balcony. It obscured them completely, hurtling over them in a mass of orange and red heat that made the air around it shimmer. Rin kept up the stream of flame for a long count of five, then dropped his arms and exhaled. An ache throbbed through them at once. The flames subsided, revealing the soldiers blinking in confusion for a moment. What was the point of that? Sagar snapped. They have fire. They're invulnerable to fire, you moron. When are you going to learn this? I wasn't trying to hurt them, said Rin calmly. I need to distract them for a moment. He pointed towards the doors of the hall. Kathuna and the other guards were just reaching them. I gave them the ruby. Sagar frowned. Then, oh, not bad, pup. Rin watched as the guards wrenched open the double doors and found Elpis, the Lady Shadowfinger, stood waiting for them, dressed all in black with her horrible painted lady mask on, twirling a length of chain with a metal ball on the end covered in sharp spikes. The Shadowfinger's arm twitched and all of a sudden the spiked mace shot out of its rotation at a tangent, pulling the chain along with it and flew straight into Cthulhu's face. The Melodian screamed and dropped to the floor. Nuthia cried out with grief. Rin sprinted for the doors, the sword he had stolen from the Imperial still in his hand, calling over his shoulder, Just hold them off for a bit longer while I take care of this! Even as new fire came down from the balcony, and Sagar threw up his hands to gust it to one side. I've come so far, I've killed Vor, I'm not about to let the Empire kill all my friends and me now. As he approached the Shadowfinger, who had been rounding on the next guard, he flung fire at her, but she saw him coming and leapt to one side, out of the way of it. Before he knew what was happening, her mace hurtled out towards him, hitting him in the stomach. Pain sang from Rin's abdomen from uncountable needle points as the spikes pierced it. Stupid boy, Rin thought to himself as Elpis yanked back her chain and he put his hands to his stomach to clutch at his bloodying tunic. You're invulnerable to fire, not metal. This is a really dumb way to die. He sat down on his backside, stunned by the wound. Elpis twirled her chain and brought her arm up and around again, about to whip it out at Rin again for the finishing blow. Rin shut his eyes. Metal clanged loudly against metal. Rin opened his eyes. Vish stood in front of him, black sword drawn and out to one side. The spiked ball of Elpis's flail lay a little way away at the end of its chain. Vish must have deflected it with his blade. 
A frustrated growl came from behind Elpis's mask, and she flicked the ball back towards her along the chain, then span it back into its deadly dance, around her head, then flung it back, back out again, not at Vish this time, but at one of the Minolian guards who had made another run for the door. She caught the woman on the side of her helmet this time, and the ball bounced off without sticking in. The Minolian cried out and hit the floor, and then rolled and came back upon her feet. She backed away from the door, wary but still alive. Elpis wasted no time and pressed her attack. No sooner than the ball had rebounded off the Minolian's helmet, she pulled back on the chain and spun, bringing it around herself and back at Vish, who had been running towards her, but now had to duck and roll to one side to avoid being impaled by the spikes. A dance had begun. The Lady Shadowfinger fought like some sort of demon, shouting with rage as she leapt and spun and flung her spiked ball at Vish, the guardswomen, Vish, the guardswomen, never letting up, not letting them get any closer to the doors. Her opponents were managing to dodge or deflect the attacks, but they couldn't keep this up forever. She was so vicious, so wild, so persistent. The pain throbbed in Rin's stomach and he let out a moan. He doubled over and looked down, unable to concentrate on the battle anymore. Blood was leaking through his fingers, running down over his hands. Sid, I need Sid. He managed to twist his head around, then grimaced at a protest from his stomach muscles. Sid and the others were, st others were still clustered at the centre of the hall, pinned down by a barrage of fireballs from above, which Sagar held off with gusts of wind. Sid had his eyes shut, and a hand held out towards Sagar, his lips mumbling something. Rin had no idea what he was doing, but it must have something to do with the reason that Sagar was able to keep up this defence for so long. Sid! Rin called out in a weak voice, but just loud enough to make Sid open his eyes and look over. The healer's mouth dropped in concern, and he started out in Rin's direction, then stopped when a fireball crashed down in front of him, missing him by inches. Wait! A female voice cried out from somewhere behind Rin. Rin looked back round. A Manolian guard lay in an unconscious heap on the floor by the doors, her breastplate cracked, blood trickling out from underneath her. A few paces in front of her stood Vish, his sword held out straight, pointed at Elpis. The Lady Shadowfinger's spiked ball was on the floor next to her, severed from its chain, which lay like a sleeping snake at her feet. Vish must have cut the ball from the chain. Instead of it, Elpis now held a black-bladed sword of her own in front of her face in a defensive stance. Wait, the, lad the Lady Shadowfinger said again. Her voice sounded surprisingly delicate, almost like Nuthia's. Don't do this, Vish. You may be skilled with that flail of yours, Vish replied, but I've vested you now and I was always your better at swords. Give it up. You can't win. You don't know that, said Elpis. You may favour blades, but you didn't beat me every time we trained, and I can give you Poppy. Vish hesitated for a moment. So what? This travelling party have Poppy too, and they give it to me whenever I want. Yes, said Elpis, but they will all be dead in a moment, and their Poppy will belong to the Empire. I can give you two poppy seeds right now, if you put down your weapon and return your allegiance. Come back to the Empire, Vish. All will be forgiven. Whatever led you astray temporarily, the Emperor will understand. He is most merciful. She held out, held out her hand. Two small round seeds lay in the centre of it, even darker than the black of her glove. Vish didn't reply. Oh no, Rin said aloud. Not this again. His stomach hurt so much, and it hurt to talk, but if he didn't, he feared he would bleed out soon, so he had nothing left to lose. Don't listen to her, Vish! You've been here before! You've resisted before! Vish threw him a quick glance, grey eyes unusually wide with anxiety, then returned to facing Elpis. He was still for a long moment, 
and for a while Rin could only hear the shouts and cries and gusts of wind behind him. Vish put down his sword and held out his hand. No, Rin whimpered. The lady Shadowfinger handed Vish the two seeds. He put them in his mouth, then fell backwards with a moan of pleasure. Yes! Elpis let out a cry of glee from behind her mask and leapt over Vish's body towards Rin, raising her sword high. As she did so, Vish's hands shot out and grabbed her leg, pulling her down to land face first on the floor with a smack. In the same movement, he stood up with his sword and thrust it down through Elpis, literally stabbing her in the back. Elpis screamed, twitched a couple of times, and then abruptly went rigid. How? Rin said to Vish as the shadow finger ran over. Vish showed him the two black seeds in his free palm. I only pretended to ingest them. I will save them for later. He stowed them somewhere in the folds of his garments. Vish, quick, Rin said, the urgency of their situation pulling him back to it. There's no time. The guard, take the fire ruby from her and get it to the other Manolians. You are hurt, Vish observed. Yes, you can't do anything about that now. Go. Vish nodded, sprinted to Kathuna, picked up the ruby ring from where she had dropped it, then pelted out of the double doors. One god, please let him find help quickly, Rin found himself praying. He wrenched his hand around again, and black spots filled his vision. The pain in his belly screamed. Sid, he called again, with everything he had left. This time, Sagar heard him too, catching a quick glance at Rin in between blo blowing back the fireballs. Hold on, pup, he shouted back. Sagar bit his lip, then made a jump to one side, away from Rin's direction. What's he doing? He's going to leave the others exposed if he goes that way. Sagar thrust out his hands. At Sid, Elran, and Nuthia. Go! he shouted at the same time, and blasted the trio with air. Rin's eyes watered as the healer, engineer, and princess were swept off their feet by the blast of wind and sent flying down the hall towards him. Nuthia put her hands out and managed to ride the wind more or less gracefully, her dress billowing up behind her. Elran curled into a ball and shot past Rin, tumbling and cursing as she went. Sid turned head over heels in the air and crashed right into him. Excruciating pain in Rin's stomach as something tore. He was on his back, but he barely knew that. The pain was so bad. Cure, Sid's voice said. Oh, thank the one, Rin thought as the pain finally ceased, replaced by soothing warmth as the wound in his stomach closed up. Sid helped him to sit up. That was a, clo that was a close one, Rin said. Again. Sid's brow remained knotted in concern. Quick, lad, I don't have much mana left. I was lending mine to Sagar. He can't have much left either. He pointed back towards the centre of the hall. You've got to help him. With only Sagar left as a clear target, the soldiers on the balcony above were focusing all of their fire attacks on him at once, pouring a series of flame jets at him. Sagar was on his knees, both hands held up, holding back the flames with air, his, his jaw clenched tight, a vein bulging in his forehead. Rin wasted no more time. He dashed back across the hall, leapt in front of Sagar, facing him, and stood with his arms held out in the air to either side, taking the flame jets on his back. Again, he actually felt them replenishing him and giving him energy. Sagar groaned and lowered his arms, at last able to drop his defence. He was red-cheeked and drenched in sweat, his ponytail clinging to his neck. Thanks, pup, Sagar gasped, with just a hint of reluctance. The flames at Rin's back subsided. The soldiers must have realised what was happening. Shouts of, get down there, find a way down, from the balcony. Rin had an idea. You got, any you got anything left in you? He asked Sagar. 
The pirate frowned at him. Maybe a little. Why? Could you do what you just did to the others to me, to get me up on the balcony? What, like a wind-assisted jump? Yes, exactly. The pirate's eyes glinted. Now you're talking. Do it. Rin spun to see the soldiers above turning and running up the sloped balcony, making for exit doors in the far wall. He crouched. Now, he yelled. Rin jumped and hung in the air for a moment, propelled only by the meagre strength of his legs. Wind, shouted Sagar. The air beneath Rin rushed up to meet him, so, so forcefully that it lifted him up further, his body going weightless, his stomach dropping out below him as he flew upwards towards the balcony rail. Only he wasn't quite going to reach it. He was going to fall short of it and fall back down. Acting on instinct, Rin focused on the soles of his feet and willed fire from them. He felt his feet catch alight and project jets of flame downwards with enough pushback to get him up and over the rail. He landed on the balcony level clumsily, smacking onto one of the benches and taking a nasty hit to the shoulder, then bouncing off it and rolling on the floor between them. He came up as quickly as he could. The soldiers who had seen him threw fire at him on reflex. Rin simply absorbed it. It made the top of his head and his fingertips tingle as it gave him more mana, as Sid called it. He yelled out. He, he held out his sword and rushed at the nearest, nearest soldier. Cleezor, he yelled. He parried away the soldier's first blow, knocking it to the side, and followed up with a thrust to the soldier's neck where he knew the imperial armour had a gap. He withdrew his sword and the soldier toppled over. All that practice with Sid was finally paying off. Another soldier was on him at once, making him raise his blade and block high, middle, low, high again. He saw an opening and tried to slash at the man's chest, more to drive him back than anything, but the soldier blocked it in kind, and Rin was forced to respond defensively to the counterattack. Another soldier joined, joined the fight. And another, and another. Rin had to move faster to block and parry more cuts and thrusts from each side as more soldiers got near to him, driving him back towards the balcony rail. He could barely keep this up. The soldiers pressed in on him together, collectively targeting him as a priority threat to eliminate. Panic seized Rin's chest, and he began to block and parry, more manically, backing closer and closer to the balcony rail. There was no way he could defeat all these soldiers at once. What had he been thinking? When he had absorbed the fire attacks aimed at Sagar, it had given him a surge of energy, but he had gotten carried away. How had he thought he could fight all these soldiers by himself in weapon-to-weapon -weapon combat? He needed the others. He needed Vish. But the others weren't fire aligned. They were still vulnerable to the soldiers' flame attacks. Ah! A flash of pain in Rin's leg, and he dropped his sword and went down, rolling down the last few steps of the balcony and thudding into the rail at its edge. He clutched his leg tight. One of the soldiers had finally found his mark and caught him with a vicious cut. Probably the same one that was sta still standing over him now, desperate hate in his eyes, visible through his black helmeted visor, pulling, one, pulling back his sword for the killing thrust. For the one! shouted a chorus of furious female voices. The soldier above Rin froze, then turned to see what was happening. Rin stumbled up as a wave of gold crashed into the, into the soldiers on the balcony. A stampede of Manolian guardswomen coming through the balcony entrance. The Imperials tried to hurl fire at them at first, but their fireballs simply dis dissipated on contact without causing any harm. A stampede of Manolian guardswomen invulnerable to fire coming through the balcony entrance. He did it, thought Rin. Vish followed my plan. He gave him the ruby. Rin heard pistol shots. Elran was with them as well. The soldier who had been standing over them, over him screamed as he flew off his feet through the air, then over the balcony, pushed off the balcony by a targeted gust of wind. 
and there's Sagar. And that black streak of black and that streak of black death was Vish. The others had found their way up to the balcony, and now in the chaos the Imperials couldn't work out who was invulnerable to fire and who wasn't. All Rin needed was Young man, do you think you could just stop yourself from being grievously wounded for a few moments? said Sid, as the old man arrived at his side. Rin chuckled, but then stopped and closed his eyes at another wave of pain from his leg. Rin crouched next to him and laid a hand on his leg, whispering a cure, and the pain departed. Well, I think that's about all I have left in me, Sid said. Come on, we better make sure nobody else gets wounded, as I won't be healing anybody for a while. He drew his own sword, then helped Rin up by the hand. Rin retrieved his dropped blade from nearby and rejoined the fray with Sid, charging into the battle.